0: Welcome to today's episode of the Baco Sports Report on the Live from Lake Valfour Podcast Network. Today is our Midway Olympics podcast. We will be breaking down everything that has happened in the first two days of Indian Olympics 2019. We did the preview podcast, made some predictions. Some of them came out to be true. A lot of them were off. It's been a wild two days of Olympics. So many sports. We'll cover it all. We have the Baco 3 uh chiefs water polo tournament which was epic today basketball has been on fire softball has a lot of competitive games it's been all fascinating we'll talk about all of that today coming up on today's episode of the Baco Sports Report all right and today I am pleased to be joined by our guest Leo Hoffman he is in 23 a year younger next year he'll be running olympics but he's one of the best athletes in camp has a lot of great analysis to share so Leo two days through olympics pretty exhausting but pretty fun
1: yeah, it's been an amazing time. I mean, thank you again for allowing me to speak on this wonderful podcast. So, yeah, I mean, Olympics has been great. It's been amazing. I've had so much fun. Yeah, it's been really cool. And it's exhausting, and I think that's part of Olympics, just staying healthy and just staying active and being and being there with your team. I mean, you have to be – like, one underrated thing in Olympics is your team meets – It's rest, and you also have to be focused so much. Yeah, there's really no time of the day where. There's no time to rest. Yeah, like
0: now we're taping this a night after everything's done. Like, it's exhausting. It's a full day, but it's been a lot going on, a lot of competition. So let's get right into it. Start with basketball. There's been a lot of basketball. Each team has now played two of their three games for two days into it. It's been crazy. Blackfeet so far, and Cherokee, both of them are 2 0 so far. The other two teams, 0 2. You're one of the. Star players on Apache, so it's been rough riding. I think that it hasn't really been dominant. The teams have been pretty fair. Um, Glatzer has won his games, but it has not been by a lot for Cherokee. And Blackfeet, the Greenberger duo, has just been saucing all over the place. I mean, the chemistry, when, you know, I did the preview podcast, we talked about the potential the Greenbergers had. We didn't really consider, I think, the chemistry that they had and the way they work with the role players around them. They've been dominant so far, though.
1: Yeah, I think. For Blackfeet and Cherokee, I mean, their star power is really helping them, but it's not just Eli Greenberger for Blackfeet and Evan Glatzer for Cherokee. It's been their role players, I think, in the game today. Cherokee versus Apache. Cherokee beat Apache by one in overtime.
0: Right, it's been a close game. Definitely, I think they... Who the uh, people who made the teams, which is really all the admin, the waiters, counselors. They did a good job for Glasser. It's been very even because he really has not had a lot of space to work, I and mean, people are just hounding him all over the place. Because when your second player is Isaac Ayres, third player is Hoppy. I mean, it's not they're not bad players, but to on Olympics when there's only four teams. All the best players in campus one in the four teams to have Isaac Ayers be your second best player. It's a pretty tough position for Gladstone to be on. So give him credit; he's made the most of it. But it's been close. It's been some close games so far, and even Oneida and Apache who have lost their games. It's been close. Aiden Rab has played great in the first two games, especially that first game. He was really all over the place with his rebounding. He was just scoring the ball. Um, I think that Oneida. So even the teams that have lost, it's definitely been uh, close games.
1: Yeah, I think that. Especially on Cherokee, Gladstone has shooters around him, and that's really what he needs. I mean, he, we've talked about him since the first day of yeah. camp, like the best basketball player in camp. He, he, he was arguably the best basketball player in camp last year.
0: No, i not arguing that it, definitely.
1: And, and now that he has shooters around him, and even though it's Olympics, so the players are not as good as, let's just say, 16s, right. he has shooters on his team, so he can dish it out. And they're able to hit threes in today's game. Uh, Hoppy Jacob Popinot, he stepped up.
0: He stepped that. up big. He was he exhausted. After, he was exhausted after the game, but he really did play a great game for them. I thought that overall as a team, that he gave them what they needed. as you know, he's just being smothered, but give him credit, he's doing the best he can. I think at this point, it's definitely he has a lot of experience with it. Where he's on the court, you know, you got all the counts. Like basically, every counselor not assigned to a period is watching. This best these basketball games because they know that this is you know the biggest moment and like it's a lot of pressure for a guy like really anyone because there's so much to, expect to them. this is some of their final Bayco basketball this is Olympics like it's super competitive so give guys like Glasser credit for really stepping up and a guy like Eli Greenberger who's the best player on Blackfeet, he's, you know, he's in only in 23, so he's not a waiter, but he's still really putting giving everything into it, and he's working really well with Jacob. They feed off each other so well. Jacob played another great game today. So overall, even though there's two teams that are 2-0, two teams that are 0-2, it's still been really competitive, and we'll get the final game. Hopefully tomorrow, Cherokee Keepers Blackfeet should be a really fun one. Two best players in camp going up against each other. What are your initial expectations for that one?
1: Well, I think that it's gonna be really hard for Cherokee for sorry, for Blackfeet to stop Glatzer. But I think they have the guys. I mean, Blackfeet, like we one through five, Eli Greenberger, Jacob Greenberger, Jake Potters, Leo Elkins and Ethan Levine and Ethan Levine, they're all great athletes and I think they have And they definitely have, they
0: definitely have a lot more depth. The other thing so the other thing about Cherokee is they don't have a lot of star power other than Gladser and their depth is really lacking with guys like GP don't see you. I mean, those are not like you know, players who are traditionally A type players who are up playing there just because of the lack of the depth that Cherokee has. But so
1: I, I think it's gonna be a good one. I think. I think I mean it's a tough like you can't bet it, like you can't bet against yeah. Glatzer. I mean
0: he, right. Yeah, it's tough. Like, he's
1: just so good, so I honestly like. I think Cherokee's gonna pull it out, but I think it's gonna be really 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 hard. Yeah, definitely. For, for Cherokee. To be, I mean, I think they have to play two three, cause they're. Yeah. I mean, Glatzer's obviously gonna man the middle, and he just takes so much space he up really, the court, yeah. and he uses it so well. I mean, he I, he can score at will. He scores anytime he wants to.
0: Yeah, he and, really just. I mean, obviously for you guys at home, you don't see Glatt on a regular basis. Like it's really hard to appreciate the way that he just really just goes inside, like, I'll do it your step. And people are just not physically as big as him. Like, there's nothing else to say. He's just so much longer than them, and he can finish. You like you're, like, pushing him. and He's not going to call from a ref because it's, like, kind of like a LeBron that says you can call it every time down, but, like, it ends up being less calls. But he just finishes, like, over people, and he really can just score whenever he wants, which makes it so dominant, so tough to stop. But
1: I think Blackfeet has the guys to stop him. I really do. It's, like, with the team Blackfeet had, the first... Uh, two days ago, when the teams were announced, or three days ago, yeah. whenever, I mean, you were like, wait, is Black... Like, like, where's Blackfeet? Like, are they going to go 0-3? But now, I mean, right, yeah, look we, at their we team. When we sat
0: here and did the preview podcast a couple of days ago, we were like, yeah, like Blackfeet's probably the underdogs in basketball, just because it didn't seem like they have enough star power. But I think with the way that Jacob Greenberry has emerged and just the depth on this team, having five guys who are legit, like, guys, like, it's really been... Showing how much depth matters in Olympics, where everyone's going all out, yeah. and like, in sometimes in leagues, like the fourth and fifth guys just like don't really contribute. They don't pass the ball much. Like they'll just return it back to the star. But in Olympics, it's so different in that like you really need everyone to contribute because it's really much more like basketball and like yeah. it's And
1: that. I, I think that oneida Apache game is going to be great too. It's going to I be think, a really good game too. I think Chuck Bookford has just lit it up. I mean, yeah, so in, he's the, in the game old.
0: so in the game against Blackfeet, the first game um, they had was Apache versus Blackfeet. he dropped twenty points in the first half, um, which is just insanity. I mean, he's just such a lethal scorer, and then they finally box and won him, which really negated him and held him to four points in the second half. But he is a really hard guy to stop, and then they have guys like you and Noodle, too, who are really good players and like their own aspects to so like how to so you obviously have to take advantage when they're guarding up on Chuck so tight.
1: Yeah, I think that Aiden Rab, he's definitely the longest player in this game. Yeah, he's very long and Ben Cohen also a very great um, point guard and he can play defense. He's a very yeah. good defender. And I doesn't and I don't think he gives himself enough credit on the defensive end. Yeah. He's so long and he and he's athletic and yeah, I think he is. that he maybe... He doesn't give himself enough credit. And I think that... Like, he's one of the best defenders in this camp. And he shows it. But I th- And I think he could do more. He's a great player. He can yeah. shoot the three. He can put it on the deck and uh, score in the paint great player. He's a great all-around player. And then Aiden Rapp, also a great all-around player. Yeah, it's
0: really a really great duo. They, I think they definitely can capitalize on feeding off each other, too. Yeah. You've put two great players, they're both waiters on the same team. So that'll be a good game. You know it'll be a dogfight fight. Neither team. Obviously, yeah. no one wants to go 0-3 in Olympic basketball. It's just uh, yeah, so deflating. Um, all right, now let's move on to softball, where I think things have gone a bit different than we expected. Um on the preview podcast, I think I said that Blackfeet would be a bit challenged in uh, softball, Those are my exact words. And Meanwhile, they've gone 2-0 so far. They've won two games, or I'm on the team, so we've won two games, um, both really tight games, one run games. They've been tight, but we've been getting a lot of great contributions from all over the place. It hasn't even been you know just one guy. I mean, Levine is good, great fielder, but the hitting has just been good all around. I think one of the biggest elements that we have – is Biko has this new bat, uh, and everyone is just hitting missiles off of it. Like people who like are just like not supposed to be hitting like bombs. Like a guy like Teddy who's like always oh, been just like an average softball player. There's had they have we have this new bat. Now they're just, you know, shooting missiles. Um I so could,
1: I could totally agree. I mean, I think that also Apache is so underratedly good. I mean, like we got Toad, we got Chuck for and in softball, I think Chuck Bookfart is the best softball player in Yeah, I right think now. so.
0: I was about to say that I think he's been establishing himself as the best player. Apache, you guys are now 1 and 1. You won a really tough loss today. We had a tough, loss today. Had a really tough loss today. You had a man on second with two outs down a run. You had the ground out to end the game. So that was a tough loss, but all the softball games have been really intense and competitive. Yeah. It's just been really fun. like. And
1: it's a great it's sport really because. Every single person is contributing. That's every yeah, single even
0: person. even a guy like Eli Cohen is, like, you know, not traditionally good athlete. even he is, like, hitting the ball and making some plays in the outfield. Like, every person is really getting into it. And there's a lot of passion. A lot of passion comes out in softball. And it's a lot of intensity. And as I said, especially with this new bat and, like, with all the people being so competitive, the ball is really flying in the outfield. Yeah. And, and it's just been great to see a lot of offense on display.
1: Yeah, and I think that... Also, there's been a lot of great defense. I mean, the outful, outfield plays that have been made in in softball, very different from baseball. I can't bake yeah. out. But ch- the center center field position is one of the most needed positions. I mean. Yeah, especially we, the. We start... I mean,
0: obviously, for those of you guys who've been to camp or know the geography of the upper field, you got the fence, and then you have the hill that goes down to the big court, and then on. So it goes all the way down to the cross field. And like guys like Chuck are hitting it all the way, like fully onto the cross field. I think Chuck had one that rolled all the way to the counseling. So these people are hitting bombs, so the center field is a really important position. And for the teams that have won, like Blackfeet, Apache, they're getting contributions both in the outfield and hitting. So it's been really fun to see a lot of really competitive games have happened so far. And that was the same, one of the most competitive tournaments we've had the last couple of days was Chiefs uh, water polo. It's a great, great tournament. tournament. As always, Chiefs water polo is one of the most highly anticipated tournaments of Olympics. And so it's
1: by far the most physically demanding sport.
0: It is usually the most physically demanding sport because you. I mean, no one plays, really. This is the only time people play. Like, It's really physically demanding. You're in the water the whole time. you only let's use one hand. You're treading the whole time. You're swimming around. You're hustling like... It was really intense. The Blackfeet ended up playing it out over Apache in the finals. Yes. It was a really great game. Jake Potters was the MVP of the tournament. He was a great swimmer. I mean, I do not think that there was one time where they basically the way Wanda works for those who don't know the rules is at the start of each period or after of each quarter or after a goal, all the every player um, in the water goes to their sidelines, and they throw the ball in the middle and everyone has someone has to go chase it, kind of like dodgeball. There was not one time the in the entire games that Blackfeet played where Jake Potters was not the first man to that ball. I mean, he was just a machine uh, in the water today. He really was getting to everything. And even though Levine really did a great job finishing a lot of the goals for Blackfeet, Potters did a lot of the setting up, and he was just so big and physical. I think uh, if he, I had, he made a huge impact.
1: I think if I had to pick uh, a handful of players who just played... Really well today. I'll start in goal. Josh Nadel is such for a... Apache, yeah. Yeah, for Apache, Josh noodle, Nadel. Noodle, yeah. or everybody calls him Noodle here. He played amazing. He's so big and yeah, so, and so
0: Yeah, so traditionally you have one of the, the biggest players playing in net just because they feel the longest... I mean, Blackfeet um, won this tournament, but the final game could have been much more of a blowout. If
1: it wasn't for Noodle, he was really great. Um, I think the score is 2-1. to one. It was 2-1, to one, yeah. It was a close game. It was very close. Very it was close to the end. Highly contested. So I'd say Josh Nadell or Noodle yeah. was probably the best goalie. And then I think on defense, Leo Elkins played amazing. Yeah, Blackfeet
0: got some great. Blackfeet, Leo, Leo and Elkins. and both stepped up big time.
1: Chuck Bookfar, who yeah, he's is... Just,
0: I mean, he's just such a good athlete. He's I mean, such
1: so a good athlete. He really dominates. In the first game, he got the... At when they threw the ball in the middle, he got the ball, swam through all the defenders, lobs it up over the goalie, and keep and in mind this is
0: probably the smallest person on the court. I mean, he is Chuck McFar is not one of the biggest players, but he's such a good athlete. He really is just so nifty. And I think he's figured he's really found a way. And honestly, every sport, sports like basketball, baseball, I mean, baseball too, use baseball, his size kind of to his advantage, even though it's smaller. So he's done a great job, and you have to give him credit. So. Overall, water polo was really great today. The final was baoc O-C, yeah. Um, so that was good. And 10 of the tennis tournament, which happened on the first day. Uh, just to go on that quickly, Cherokee absolutely lit this tournament on fire. Um the way the tournament is structured is that you have doubles teams you have five doubles teams and it's basically just like a tournament and the overall games wins but obviously you want more teams to advance farther into the tournament so they can keep accumulating games uh, and Cherokee just demolished the other teams it was like, yeah
1: I think that Cherokee Hudson Crane, Hudson, Crane an have, amazing tennis Hudson
0: Crane and Evan Glatzer team who were two of the Best three or four tennis players. And then Brandon Burwin. I mean, they were, we're talking probably three of the best four or five players in the whole tournament were on one team. And then a guy like Isaac Harris, he's a really good double player at net, slamming the ball and everything. Um, so they really just dominated. They got both teams in the finals. And they won, um, I think the score is, you know, they had 48 total games, which to put it in perspective, Oneida had 12, um, which was also – they struggled a lot This in the was – I
1: think this tournament went C-A –
0: C-A-B-O B-O was in yeah. a final, it so it was, was th- a really th- lopsided victory for Cherokee and um so that was really I think effort. one
1: key thing in this tennis tournament which people don't really think of after you lose your first game you play in a constellation bracket right so the people yeah counts as a so you play to the to four games yeah. so if if you lose your first game you go into the constellation bracket but those four games, and if you win those four games in the Constellation right, bracket? Games, everything
0: counts the same. Everything counts, so counts the cons- same. So it's really the people who are not as good as tennis really matter just as much as the people who are because those Constellation games ended up like Cherokee. Not only did Cherokee dominate the part of the winning bracket, but the Constellation games, Cherokee was lighting up too, which really led to an enormous, just one of the probably one of the most lopsided tennis tor- chief tennis tournaments we've seen in a long time. I think, just, oh, yeah. I mean,
1: our tennis. Uh, Bruno, obviously yeah. an amazing guy. He said so many times. The first thing he said to us was, "Take your constellation game seriously because so many, so Chiefs many tennis, Chiefs tennis, tennis tournaments, tournaments off, have been decided right. off the constellation bracket." And then also we can't forget about the chief um, soccer tournament. Right. So
0: tomorrow coming up uh, is the chief soccer tournament, which is the single most intense and exciting tournament. In the Olympics, um, water polo is obviously really unique, but Sahar is just, you know, people just go like crazy for it. It's so intense, so physical. Uh, we'll definitely have a recap for that up tomorrow night afterwards, but just a preview. I think I would say Blackfeet comes into it as the favorites, um, only just because they really have a lot of, we really have a lot of depth on this team, where as a team like uh, Cherokee has Glatzer, um, Oneida has Gabe, and those are good players, but they don't really have the depth. You guys have Chuck, but they don't really have the depth, and uh, Isaac on Cherokee too, but Blackfeet really has depth in that you got so many great athletes and soccer players. Teddy, terrific soccer player. Jacob Greenberger, great soccer player. Ethan Levine, great soccer player. Sammy Zaret, great soccer player. Overall, it's just a really, Jake Potter is a physical player. Sometimes he can get in that play well too. And the goal, so they really, I think, coming was a favorite because in chief soccer, part of how you win or lose is like every single person is on the on the field. So even if you have players who might not be like the best players, they matter the same way. And I think that's one of the coolest parts of Olympics that we see over and over again. Is that it's not just the best athlete to matter because in something like chief soccer, where every single person on the court, like or on the field in this case, like someone like me who. You know, like, I don't play soccer. Like, I'm not a good soccer player. i am be like, listen, I'll be out there playing probably uh, defense tomorrow. And, like, if I'm not paying attention or if I'm not, you know, focusing, playing well, then, like, you know, Gabe is just going to fly right by me and score a goal. So every single person on the team is really going to have to contribute. And that's why I think Blackfeet is in the best position to win because when you have four or five guys who all play soccer and know how to play together, that's really where you get the domination aspect of it and piling on.
1: I think also, I mean, I'm, I might be a little biased, but Apache after Chuck, I mean Justin Rubin is just an amazing soccer yeah, you, player. You he you plays have, so smooth. You
0: guys have a lot of people like you you, Ruben, Jaden guys Lee. who are like it's like I think we said this on a preview pod too. It's like these are really good, like just like Bacon, athletes. Bacon. They're just athletes. You guys are just athletes, right? You can just get all over the place. You can just blow by people, and that's going to be something that's really, really important as we get deeper on.
1: And I'm just really excited. I mean, Olympics is arguably, I mean, it's not even arguable. Yeah, it's the, the best four days of the, summer, right? of the summer, and it's just been so much fun. Every single age group contributes. We The scores were read to us today for the... Final time before they read the final scores. Yeah, they scores. read uh,
0: lunchtime. Apache was in. Apache lead.
1: was in the lead. Then it was. I, I think... think it was
0: Apache, and then Oneida, uh, then Cherokee and Blackfeet. But I don't. But the scores obviously has so much left to be decided. Well, the, the Apache relay. Oh, and that brings us to the Apache relay, which we definitely have to have a conversation about just the insanity of the Baker Three shootout, which happened last night. Before the, the four victors well, it was Chuck Bark for our relation for Apache, Teddy Steinberg for us, and Blackfeet. Glass here for Cherokee and Dylan Cronigold for a So two underdogs took home the victory. Um, it was probably one of the most insane games. Hopefully we can get some of them on at a later point to talk about the Baker 3 because it was just, you know, crazy the shootout last night. Um, where we decided who was going to shoot the three for each team. It's a competition. Chuck and Glatzer both dominated. Chuck was just electric last night shooting the ball. I mean, he missed three free throws the entire night. And when you think about how many... You need to win four rounds of shooting the three. He really just shot it. He kept shooting it. The baker three and three. Um, he was just insane. There was no one else on the patch. He even stood a chance.
1: Yeah. I mean, I talked to him after the shootout, right after the shootout, and he... He said, I didn't hit it in over six, and right. that is just amazing. He hit it in six, he hit it in four, and then every other time he hit it in three. It's He's just crazy. amazing. It's
0: crazy. So he was awesome. Glasser was really good. I think he started out uh, Hudson Crane won the first round shooting underhand. He hit the—so I think we talked about in the last podcast that Hudson Crane was working on his underhand free throw technique, um, and he goes out at the first round for Cherokee of the shootout. Know, hits it in three, shooting underhand, and you could just see everyone go like. And I saw the the reaction on Glass's face when that happened. Just like, you gotta be freaking kidding me! Like this guy is shooting the ball underhand and hitting it in three. But after that, Glasser really took control of it. I think that pretty quickly.
1: I think that the basketball component of shooting the Baker three comes into hand, but sometimes I mean the better shooter just wins.
0: Right, and that's and, what happened for them. But then I think. Oneida's shootout was really fascinating too because you got, we said on the preview that there was a lot of factors, a lot of people who are really competitive. But in this shootout for Oneida, Ben Cohen, who is one of the best shooters in camp, you were just talking about before, what a just a terrific basketball player he is. goes up three rounds to one. For those of you who don't know the exact format of the shootout, you have to win four rounds basically to win the entire shootout and a round consists of basically shooting it better than the other opponent your opponents, which is your own teammates. So if you shoot in three and everyone else shoots it in more than three or isn't able to match you, then you win that round. And the rounds go on until someone hits four. So Ben Cohen is up three, has three rounds. Everyone else has one round. And Chronic just makes an epic comeback for the win. Ben Cohen actually has three rounds, shot it in three, which basically means that if someone did not match him, then he would have won. And he was about to win. You can see, like, he was feeling it, like, about to win, just, like, so antsy and then chronic comes back he's the last hope for everyone else on night to beat ben he hits it at three they go into overtime for that round chronic beats him out and it was from there on out it was just insanity it was chronic shootout um and he just shot the lights out of the ball had all the confidence in the world he'd been practicing a lot for the moment he was a wild card a big underdog, but he really just came through and he really just, he flat out beat Ben, like he just went in there, and it's really heartbreaking to see because we know how badly Ben wanted to shoot. It's really tough to see anyone lose because obviously everyone wants it so badly, and as we talked about in the earlier podcast, you want it so bad in the second and so far, like, you have some, you're upset for a little, and then you just go all in on whoever it is, so... Obviously, we'll see that from all the teams, but Chronic just pulled that one out, and when he won, it was an epic win.
1: And I think, like, when they were warming up and then they started to shoot, we could see Chronic's form, like, it looked beautiful. Yeah, there's no doubt that he's like,
0: yes, Ben is obviously a far superior basketball player, but Chronic's free throw shooting is. Money like he is a really terrific free throw shooter. And his I, form is so repeatable.
1: And he is not the best basketball player. No, not he's also history.
0: really. He's also really short. He's small.
1: He's small, but his form was gorgeous. His and, form and I feel like every time like someone would try and make a run, he'd be the one stopping it, and then he'd in overtime take that round, just yeah. snatch it from him.
0: Yeah, and that's a job. huge
1: momentum. He
0: snagged a lot of rounds where he tied, and then just beat them out in overtime, and it was really cool to see. And then Blackfeet was probably one of the craziest shootouts we've seen in years. We talked about in the preview podcast, when we hit on the Baker 3 for a little bit, that Blackfeet did not have the best group of shooters. We said JR was going to be the favorite because he had been practicing a lot, his form looked good, and that the rest of the team, you know, was struggling. Guys like myself, Teddy, Leo, like we're not great shooters. But at the end of the day, the Baker 3 is a mental game. And Blackfeet was just up to the task. I mean, right from the start, we come out in the shootout, and J.R. hits it in three, Leo hits it in three, Teddy hits it in three, and, like, we were just like, oh, boy, like, this is not this is not going to be one of those shootouts where everyone's sucking. Like, I feel like the second that that happened, I just knew, like, when it's the shootout, this is a mental game, and, like, Blackfeet had it, and throughout it, it was just insane. So basically what happened, so I took two rounds early, so I was up... I had two rounds, Jr. had a round and Leo had a round, and it was like, alright, like, we're selling, Teddy didn't have any rounds, and then as it keeps going, Teddy starts picking up heat, and then it gets to the point where Teddy is just heating up, Leo started to heat up, even though he was, like, you know, like, hitting someone with the backboard, airballing at the beginning, all of a sudden he's just hitting everything in three and, like, JR was like kind of just like a cool assassin like he would just have like a tough round they get back up and he'd just like swoosh three in a row. So basically to set the scene it's Teddy has three, everyone else has two, and, and me, Leo, me, Leo, and JR have two, Teddy has three, Potters had none. Teddy hits it in six and Potters is the last hope everyone's like oh it's over like Teddy won because Blackfeet was the last shootout to finish. So, everyone was like, oh, Teddy, like, people were hugging Teddy, like, it was over, and then Potters just steps up, and Potters, he's a good basketball player, but shooting is not his specialty, Potters just walks up, and coolly nails it in five, and people are just going ballistic, like, it was the most insane thing, and, like, how unlucky Teddy got there was just crazy, and, like... It was just felt like it was destined to not happen for Teddy. Then we go back. Leo wins another round. JR wins another round. Three people have three rounds. and so We go to the final round, and it was crazy. And, like, Teddy had it so close, and he just missed out. And, like, you have to keep in mind that you have all the kids your age, Leo, and your younger I mean, watching on the hill. Me just watching
1: it. I was so antsy. And it's so hard to tell from a perspective of mine and all the other kids who are not in the shootout right. like in bunk 22 and 23 right. and the kids in the chaos who's winning who has the amount of rounds
0: like, and you just see the pressure like the pressure is just building like i could feel it shooting and then we get to the final round and it was really tough to see because teddy hits it in four and then jr has a chance for to tie it up he hits the first he he comes up, and it's, like, the end. He air balls the first, time, people are just like, oh, boy, like, it's over. He comes back, he swishes the next two, and people are, like, really just, like, taking a deep breath, and the second one just rattles up. I mean, like, he shot the ball, and I was like, oh, good. We're going to overtime. And then it just, like, the ball just, like, rattles in, and it kind of, like, went halfway down and back up, and it was I mean, just, like, Ooh. It, it goes. brutal.
1: It, it brutal. just gets over the top of the rim, and It looks like it's going in, hits the back rim, and rattles, I believe, to the left.
0: It rattled just out. It was kind of like a little swirl, and then it went out, and it was just like agonizing to see. And then Teddy wins, and that's how we determine our four shooters. But that was probably the most insane part of Olympics so far that shootout. It's in the Uh, pitch black 10 o'clock at night and we still got two more days and it was crazy so olympics has been just on fire so far and we still got two more days this thing yeah tomorrow we'll have another crazy day or something by the time some of you guys listen listening to this it'll be um the day of it'll be wednesday crazy day so much we'll have chief soccer we'll have more basketball periods all the younger kids in camp too playing in their tournaments of all the different sports. So it's going to be a pretty wild ride. The next couple of days, we'll be keeping you updated here. Leo, thanks so much for doing this.
1: Thank you, Maddie. I had um, a great time.
0: All right, yeah. Olympics should be fun. We'll come back to you soon, as always. Thank you guys so much for listening to the Baker Sports Report. I'm your host, Maddie Wasserman, saying so long, and we will see you next time.